Leon Eisenberg is often referred to as the scientific father of ADHD. In an interview shortly before his death in 2009, Eisenberg said, ADHD is a prime example of a fictitious disease. Dr. Jerome Kagan, who was, has impeccable credentials as a psychologist, said, Let's go back 50 years. We have a seven-year-old child who's bored in school and disrupts classes. Back then, he was called lazy. Today, he is said to suffer from ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Every child who's not doing well in school is sent to see a pediatrician, and the pediatrician says, it's ADHD, here's Ritalin. In fact, 90% of these 5.4 million kids don't have abnormal dopamine metabolism, which Ritalin is designed to treat. The problem is, if a drug is available to doctors, they'll make the corresponding diagnosis. Dr. Edward C. Hamlin, a founding member of the Royal College of General Practitioners in 1998, stated, ADHD is fraud intended to justify starting children on a life of drug addiction. And finally, a study titled Financial Ties Between DSM-4 Panel Members and the Pharmaceutical Industry highlighted that 56% of DSM panel members had one or more financial ties with companies in the pharmaceutical industry. DSM panel members were also closely associated with professionals responsible for developing and modifying the diagnostic criteria for mental illness. Strong relationships were found in the diagnostic areas where drugs are the first line of treatment for mental disorders. More the, drugs, the more the drugs sold, the more profits and richer they became. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm Jared St. Clair. I'm here every week to help guide you on a path towards truth and enlightenment when it comes to your own health and the health of your family and loved ones. Thank you for joining me again on this episode of Vitality Radio. Okay, so those are some pretty controversial things that I just talked about. And the entire topic for today's show, from top to bottom, is indeed ADHD. Now, when I say ADHD, I'm including ADD. I recognize that they are different diagnoses, but and we'll talk a little bit about that during the show. But figure if it's ADD or ADHD and you're interested in learning more about it, if you're interested in learning what can actually be done naturally to help it, if you're interested in what you may be eating or feeding your children that might be making these symptoms worse, and if you really want to avoid pharmaceuticals for the treatment of this condition, you are in the right place on Vitality Radio today. I'll get into that in just a moment. I want to first thank my brand new, less than two-week-old Facebook group, the Vitality Radio Listeners Facebook group. It is a community of nearly 100 people growing every single day, and we would love to have you join. The link for that is in the show note or in the description on the podcast. And if you're listening on local radio um, and you uh, type into Facebook Vitality Radio Listeners Community, you should be able to find us, although I will say it can be a little challenging. If that's the case, find me on either Instagram at Jared Saint. S-A-I-N-T, or at Vitality Radio, 
and tell me you're interested in joining and I will send you a link directly. Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful. That is our brick and mortar store, which next month, August, is our 45th birthday. We're throwing a big party the last two days of this month, the 29th and 30th of July. So stay tuned for that. That party will extend beyond our brick and mortar store to our website, vitalitynutrition.com. We're going to do some really, really fun and exciting things. Um, If you are interested in the Facebook group, I'm giving away free products at least twice a week, actually at least three times a week. We're having all kinds of fun. You can throw questions at me. And the reason that we have this topic today, ADD, ADHD, is because I asked in that group, what would you like me to hear or what would you like me to tackle on the next episode of Vitality Radio? And this was one of the first comments that I received. And I thought, you know what? I haven't done a really good comprehensive ADD show in a long time. So let's do it. And without further ado, We're going to jump right in. So, as I said, a lot of controversial stuff there. The father of ADHD, he's considered the scientific father of ADHD, Leon Eisenberg, seven months before his death said it's a prime example of a fictitious disease. Now, that could be taken out of context a little bit. I actually dug pretty deep on that. I spent probably almost an hour reading articles about Leon Eisenberg uh, before I recorded today. And it's an interesting thing. Snopes, if you believe that Snopes is good for, uh, you know, seeking truth, you're wrong, in my opinion. But I love to read Snopes because oftentimes it does shed light on uh, maybe the narrative, we'll say. But Snopes was, eh, they seemed relatively even-handed on this one. I read pros and cons, people saying, well, that's not really what he meant. It was taken out of context. But when you say, and I quote, ADHD is a prime example of a fictitious disease, it's kind of hard to take that out of context. And near as I can tell, He basically meant it. Now, his rant in the article before he died was about the overdiagnosis and the overmedicating of children that had been diagnosed with ADHD. He had a real problem with that, and I'm grateful that he finally, at 87 years old, decided to say something about it. But that's an interesting thing. How about this Jerome Kagan? Now, Kagan is an interesting guy because, as I said, impeccable credentials. And he says the overdiagnosis and medicating of kids is a real problem. And before I get too far in this, this show is not just about kids with ADD and ADHD. I get it that you listening yourself may struggle with this or may love someone who is an adult uh, who struggles with these symptoms. So we're going to get into a lot of that, and we'll, I'll give you my opinion for sure. I, as always, I'll tell you that it is just my opinion. It is a researched opinion, and I believe is founded in reality. But just because I have an opinion doesn't mean that I'm right, and I get that. I adjust and shift my opinions often as I try always to keep an open mind to try and figure out what the truth really is. Okay, so what about that study about the financial ties in the DSM? First off, if you don't know what the DSM is, it is a big red book. I believe it's always red. Anyway, um, this was done on the DSM-4. I believe we're on the DSM-5, and it's diagnostic criteria for mental uh, health issues, anxiety, depression, PTSD, bipolar, schizophrenia, 
ADD, ADHD, and so on and so on and so on and so on. I'm going to get into that a little bit, but it is interesting that over 50%, 56 to be exact, of the DSM panel have direct pharmaceutical ties and make a lot of money on these diagnoses. So as with anything in medicine today, you always still have to follow the money. So this so-called fictitious disease is pretty interesting. Uh, there is, uh, just to give you a little bit more of an idea of where the money thing comes in, pediatric uh, psychopharmacology unit uh, at the assistant director at the pediatric psychopharmacology unit at Massachusetts General Hospital and associate professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School received $1 million in earnings from drug companies between 2000 and 2007. That's not too bad. Most people in America don't make that much money in a seven-year period, and these people are making that money on a regular basis based on, well, conflict of interest, I think. Now, maybe their hearts are in the right place. Maybe they're telling the truth. I don't know. But I do believe 100% that people are getting medicated far too frequently for ADD. So, when we think about these drugs like Ritalin and Adderall, you know, what are the potential side effects of these drugs, uh, particularly in the underdeveloped brain of a child? Well, let's talk about the highlights. Suicidal ideation, delusions, homicidal ideation, these mass shootings that we keep hearing about where one thing is demonized and always demonized, we almost never hear about the medicine that those people may be on. And yet we know that over 90% of mass shootings that have been investigated have had somebody under the influence of a psychotropic drug. So that is a problem. Another side effect, alcohol abuse, also hallucinations and even loss of consciousness. So there's these drugs are not without risk. And yet, I've talked to parents and adults who use these drugs or uh, give them to their children based on doctors' uh, recommendations, and I get it. I get that some people that are dealing with these symptoms, it, they do, quote-unquote, perform better with these medicines. So the question is, is there a place for these drugs, period? And that's, I think, frankly, just going to be up to opinion. But I think the better question isn't, is there a place for the drugs? I think the better question is, shouldn't we do everything that we can short of pharmaceuticals to try to address the symptoms of ADD and ADHD, particularly when it comes to our children? After all, there is no such thing as a Ritalin deficiency. And nobody on this planet is out there running around deficient in Adderall or Wellbutrin either. Yet many adults and children are one or more of these meds, even though there is literally no evidence that the brain chemicals that they manipulate are indeed the root cause of the symptoms of ADD. So if they aren't the root cause, then what is the drug all about? Well, in modern medicine, as it sits right now, we're not worried about root cause. We are worried about symptomology. And if we can do anything to balance or calm the symptom... We usually do that thing, or at least that's usually what's prescribed. One author I was reading during my prep for this show referred to his ADHD diagnosis as a scarlet letter. So when he was a younger man and he was diagnosed with ADHD, he considered it a scarlet letter for him. And indeed, I have to agree. 
and I wouldn't say that this is exclusive to ADD or ADHD. In fact, in my episode 74 of the Vitality Radio podcast, my entire show is on mental health labels and how they can literally feel to the person who is labeled like a life sentence. Now, I refuse to accept mental health labels for myself or for my clients, for the most part. Sure, people have symptoms, and some people are just crazy. I mean, look at Washington, D.C. You can't miss them. There are all kinds of people out there that are certifiably nuts. But joking aside, mental illness is not something to joke about, right? There are people that experience severe and debilitating symptoms of mental illness, but the label of mental illness is a very, very slippery slope because many people, and I would dare say most people, tend to use that label as a form of, or at least a part of, their identity. And as such, they adopt a lifestyle that limits them based on their self-perceived limitations that that mental health diagnosis gives them. And I refuse to accept that for me or for anyone else, because I know I had a dear, dear friend. He recently passed, one of the great men of my life named John Brewer. I absolutely adored this individual. Well, as a young man, he was struck by a car, became paralyzed, And his favorite things to do were athletic things. He was an avid surfer, and he liked to run, and he liked to hike and do all of these things. He was paralyzed about mid-back down for the rest of his life. And he decided that he would become a Paralympian and win a gold and a silver medal at the Seoul Olympics, that he would run or that he would ride or push How do they call it? I'm trying to remember what he called it in his wheelchair. Uh, Anyway, he would roll uh, over 200 marathons in his wheelchair. He refused to take paralysis as a label that would dictate what he could not do in life. Instead, he focused on the things that he can do and could do in life and then excelled at those things. Perhaps the greatest impact he had was as a junior high school art teacher, an amazing and beautiful man. And just one example of how these labels that are put on people, particularly in the mental health sphere, where there is not an actual legitimate way to diagnose these things. And and I really believe that. Think about paralysis. It's pretty obvious if somebody can't move their legs or has no feeling in their legs, right? You can diagnose cancer. You can diagnose diabetes. There are all kinds of things that we can diagnose with actual measures of the blood or MRIs or whatever, some sort of medical diagnosis that is much more of a true, sure thing. But when we're talking about a manual that was written by a bunch of people, over half of which have ties directly to pharma, and then the doctor gets to read through that manual and say, well, let me ask you a few questions. It's incredibly subjective, right? Because the way that the the patient may answer those questions or even interpret those questions could be different than what the doctor is actually asking. If it's a child, you have a teacher, maybe you've got a principal or some sort of a 
um, uh, a teacher specifically in an IEP, you know, program or something like that. And then you've also got the parent and then you've got the doctor. And there's so much of a subjective nature to all of that, that how are you going to get a truly dead on accurate diagnosis? I believe that it's impossible. So the question then becomes, well, if the child or the adult is really struggling with symptoms of ADD or ADHD, which is a much better way of putting it than saying, I have ADD or ADHD, I struggle with the symptoms of it is, is a big difference. It's not the same label. And yet you can still acknowledge that you have symptoms that you would like to work on. That's how I choose to look at it. So, Let's talk about ADHD and the criteria of ADHD. But before we talk about it, let's get personal here. I'm a 49-year-old guy. I'll be 50 next month. Hard to believe. But when I was a kid, I didn't know what ADD was. Like it was around, there was a diagnosis as of 1980 officially, right? I was only eight years old at that time. But my parents would have never taken me in for that type of a diagnosis anyway. I struggled to focus in school for sure. I talked probably a lot more than my teachers would like me to have talked. I certainly had tendencies of hyperactivity and I was bored out of my mind whenever it was a topic that wasn't interesting to me. So let's talk about what the criteria actually is and I'll tell you which of those things I struggled with as a child. So ADD, This is inattentive type diagnosis criteria, okay? Straight from the DSM. Displays poor listening skills. Loses and or misplaces items needed to complete activities or tasks. Ding, 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 ding. I would say my listening skills are great if I'm interested. That's probably the best way I can put it. But if it's a topic that doesn't do a lot for me, I miss a lot. Sidetracked by external or unimportant stimuli. Oh my gosh, am I ever. I see squirrels all over the place. Forgets daily activities. Yep. Diminished attention span. Uh Uh-huh. Lacks ability to complete schoolwork and other assignments or to follow instructions. Oops. Avoids or is disciplined to begin homework or activities requiring concentration. You're listening to me right now, recording a radio show and podcast, and I can tell you unequivocally that I procrastinate doing this show. I procrastinate preparing this show. I often get sidetracked because this show requires as much of my undivided attention as I can give, and it is a challenge for me to give it. So yeah, ding, 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 ding. All of these criteria fit my brain. And then the last one is fails to focus on details and or makes thoughtless mistakes in schoolwork or assignments. I would say maybe a little less of that for me, but I can see that in me a little bit as well. The hyperactivity side of it, squirms when seated or fidgets with feet and hands. I don't sit still. I've never sat still. Marked restlessness that is difficult to control. Yep. Appears to be driven by a motor or is often on the go. I would say, yeah, that's pretty true with me as as well. A lot of the time. Lacks ability to play and engage in leisure activities in a quiet manner. Now, I can play with the best of them, and I love a good leisure activity. I don't know that I'm ever very quiet necessarily. Incapable of staying seated in class. Overly talkative and Uh, Yeah, me, big time. I love to hear myself talk. (laughs) Difficulty waiting his turn. 
a pretty patient person, so probably not so much that one. Interrupts or intrudes into conversations and activities of others. I don't think I do a lot of that. And impulsively blurts out answers before questions are completed. I try really hard not to do that, but I catch myself doing it sometimes. So those are the criteria. And guess what? You only have to get four or five of those to be diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. I was never diagnosed because I never went in for a diagnosis, but I'm sure I would have been diagnosed if this is what the criteria was. So, as I said, I didn't and don't go to doctors unless I've exhausted my other options. My parents raised me that way, and I've stuck to that for the most part. So as a kid, even though I could have been diagnosed with this ADD, ADHD, I wasn't because my parents, A, chalked it up to a very active brain, B, would never have medicated me anyway, and C, had a healthy distrust of the medical model. And I do believe a healthy distrust in a lot of things, uh, at least some skepticism, including even when you're listening to me, I'm okay with skepticism about what I say. Learn it, go back, go out and vet it and see if I'm blowing smoke. We should do that with all of the information we receive question your conclusions and question other people's conclusions as well. But my gosh, I do struggle with ADD. And even though I found a lot of things that help me, I still struggle. It's still a, it is a process, but is it because I am ADHD? Is it because I have a mental disorder? Is it because I have a disease? No, I don't believe that. I believe it's simply because of the way that my brain's wired and it is different than other people's brains. There are a lot of us out there that have this kind of unique wiring. Are we in the mainstream? Are we a minority? Yeah, we're a minority. But that doesn't mean that we're abnormal. We're just different. And aren't we all in so many different ways? So be careful with that label. And I would say very, very careful with that label on your kids. When they are at that tender age, when their concern about what other people think is at its highest, especially if you're talking about a kid in, you know, the kind of middle school, junior high and high school range, if we're saddling them with a diagnosis and saying, this is how you are, What are we doing for their level of confidence moving forward and their ability to overcome? I think the greatest blessing I had as a kid that struggled with these symptoms is I didn't know there was anything wrong with me, and I still don't believe there ever was. But as soon as you believe that something is wrong with you, then how do you behave? What do you tell yourself and what stories do you make up and excuses do you make because there is something wrong and therefore you can't succeed? All right, so that's the me getting the rant off my chest for this morning, talking about ADD and ADHD and how I see it. But now, as I always try my best to do, I aim to give you solutions. We're going to go ahead and cut to a break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about things that have worked personally for me because I have a lot of experience with this. But I also have had hundreds of people that I've talked to at Vitality Nutrition over the last several decades that I've been able to help with this, kids and adults alike, male and female, anybody with ADD symptoms, ADHD symptoms, 
can improve those symptoms by avoiding certain things and filling up on certain things. And I'll go into detail on those things when I come back. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. In 1994, Dr. Louis Ignaro won the Nobel Prize for Medicine when he discovered how nitric oxide works in the human body. Ever since, more phenomenal research has been done, proving time and time again that nitric oxide is a true key to cardiovascular wellness. Nitric oxide increases blood flow, thereby reducing pressure. This makes a huge difference in a variety of ways. The increase in blood flow provides more energy and oxygen to the muscle tissue, which is vital for your workout. This also improves the muscle pump for both exercise and sexual performance. Brand New Day has followed the research of Dr. Rignaro and many others and developed a formula based on the science of nitric oxide and blood flow. This amazing formula is called NO Cardio Boost and the results that are reported are fantastic. Just one scoop a day in water will enhance nitric oxide and all of the benefits that come with it. Try NO Cardio Boost today. NO Cardio Boost is available at VitalityNutrition.com. Use promo code VitalityRadio for $5 off your first order or call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. Welcome to the second half of the show. And I'll tell you, I am so excited to do this topic, and I'm so grateful for this new Facebook group. If you are on Facebook, I get it. Facebook, there are so many problems with Facebook. I don't even like Facebook. It is a frustrating place to be for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which is the ridiculous and aggressive censorship that happened over the last couple of years and is still happening. But there is a safe haven on Facebook that I am loving, and it is called the Vitality Radio Podcast Listeners Community. And it is free to join, and I'm in there every single day. I'm giving away free products. We're having quizzes. We're answering questions. We're doing all kinds of fun stuff in the group. It is growing every single day. I imagine in the next week or two, we will have a couple of hundred people in there, and I continue, and I hope it continues to grow, and I hope you are in there with us. I would love, love to have you. If you can't find it on Facebook... If you can't find it on Facebook, you can direct message me on Facebook. You can direct message me at Instagram, at Jared Saint, or at Vitality Radio, and I'll be more than happy to point you towards the Facebook group, but I'd love to have you join. Also, Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality, Nutrition, and Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show, no matter where you are, please call us, 801-292-6662. That's 801 292 6662. We would love to talk to you and help you out. And of course, we have the wonderful website now that really mostly works like a charm with a few hiccups here and there called vitalitynutrition.com if you're interested in checking out any of the supplements that I talk about here on Vitality Radio. Okay, so back to the topic of ADD and ADHD again. I believe as strongly about this as just about anything that I can imagine talking to you about, and that is 
that I refuse to accept mental health labels. I refuse to identify as a person with a mental disability, even though the DSM does indeed seem to think that I have a mental disorder known as ADHD. So doctors, as they take the Hippocratic Oath, the uh, first thing is, first, do no harm. Now, they don't always follow this ideal. In fact, I would say more often than not, and especially in pediatricians' offices, that that is not followed uh, as it should be, but that's, I digress. I will say this, in the way I see medicine, the way I see health and nutrition, it is first fix the gut. Regardless of what you're dealing with upstairs in your brain, depression, anxiety, PTSD, bipolar, ADHD, and so on and so on and so forth, all of those things, focus, concentration, cognitive function, if I can spit it out, all of those things, look to the gut first. The gut-brain connection is real. It is powerful, and if your gut isn't working, your brain doesn't work at its optimal level, period. So the first thing when it comes to anything supplemental for the brain, and I would say especially with ADD, ADHD, and if you look back at your history or your child's history, and you look at a line of antibiotics that have been taken over the years, particularly in the first four years of life, then there is a very likely correlation to that and the inability to focus and concentrate and do the things that are considered ADD, ADHD traits. Now, I'm a kid who never had an antibiotic as, as a kid. I never had an antibiotic until I was 45 years old. So that wasn't my issue. My mother breastfed me for two and a half years because she was kind of a hippie. And... Uh, but I was a C-section baby. So I did start out without that amazing probiotic bath that is the birth canal. And so I did start out in a bit of a hole. Mom did her best uh, not giving me antibiotics and uh, breastfeeding me for as long as she did. Thank goodness. But uh, so maybe some of my symptoms as a kid were, you know, probiotic related. But I'm I have a pretty full tank in the old probiotic uh, department now, and I still deal with some ADD, ADHD stuff. Now, maybe it would have been a lot worse. I wouldn't consider myself one of the worst cases I've seen, uh, you know, based on what I hear from people and, and their struggles when it comes to this problem. But regardless, look at your own history or the history of your child. And if there is a line of antibiotics, if there is a uh, history there, if there's a history of not being breastfed or only for a short period of time or a C-section or any combination of those three, that's even more of a cause for alarm and a need for probiotics. And of course, the probiotic I always recommend is the Precision Probiotic Vital Spore Formula. Excuse me, why is Vital Spore so great? Because they are spore-forming probiotics that are clinically... Um, proven to be efficacious. There's a little bit of controversy out there about spores. There are a lot of spore biotics we don't know much about, but Bacillus coagulans, Bacillus subtilis, Bacillus clausi, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, or sorry, Saccharomyces boulardii are the four ingredients in 
the Precision Probiotic Vital Spore Formula. And if you want to truly rebuild your gut, I don't think there's a better way you can do it. So that's the first thing is make sure the gut's right. And I always recommend a minimum of three months to six months if you haven't done this already to get your gut in check. Now, if you're dealing with a child or a grandchild who's dealing with this, uh, go by body weight. Uh, one capsule a day uh, for someone who's 150 to 200 pounds is great. But uh, if you've got a 50-pound child, then a third of a capsule a day is fine. And you can open up the capsule, dump a little bit out into some apple ju- applesauce or juice or something. It doesn't really have a taste to it. And that works great as well. Now, what are the other two big things that are the most common deficiencies that play a major role in the brain? They are first, omega-3. Now, just last week, I did my Vital 5 uh, kind of rundown of all vi- all the Vital 5, specifically what to look for, how to know if you're getting the right one, and all that stuff. So I don't want to go into great detail uh, on this show for that, because you can go back to uh, my last episode, and you can find that real easily. So that's what I would do uh, if you want to dig deeper into, you know, kind of the what's and why's and how's of omega-3. But let me explain how omega-3 specifically relates to ADD and ADHD, because I think this is really important. And then we'll talk about why, again, in the other show, I talk about why we're all deficient, but almost everybody, especially in the middle part of America, if we're not eating a lot of seafood, generally speaking, is going to be deficient in omega-3. And we know that the gray matter in the brain is like 70% omega-3. We know that every cell in the body uh, contains key fatty acids. Uh, So all cellular communication, all neurotransmitters, all of that stuff, omega-3 plays a role in all of it. And omega-3 is massively anti-inflammatory. And inflammation in the brain works strongly against cognitive function, as does inflammation in the gut. And omega-3 plays a role in both of those things. So omega-3 is a big, big player. And for attention deficit specifically, it does seem that those people, people like myself, uh, need a little higher dose. So for adults, I typically recommend about 3,000 milligrams of omega-3 EPA, DHA every day. And for kids, again, based on body weight, but somewhere between about 500 and 1,500 milligrams for kids. uh, And for your teenage kids, if they're adult size, you get them up to two or 3,000 milligrams of omega-3. Big, big deal and a big game changer when it comes to um, ADD, ADHD type symptoms. The next big one, also part of my Vital 5, is magnesium. So the probiotic I, I detail in the Vital 5 episode, the magnesium I detail in there, and the omega-3. So go back and listen to those if you want to get bigger detail. And then I have full episodes on all five of the Vital 5 if you want to really go deep. Absolutely uh, check those out. Just look for the episodes titled Vital 5. But magnesium, why does this matter? Well, magnesium plays a role in over 300 different uh, enzymatic processes in the body. And perhaps its biggest benefit and maybe the biggest deficiency symptom of low magnesium is an inability to just be calm. Uh, Muscle twitching, muscle aching, muscle tightness, cramping, all of those types of things. The entire central nervous system and muscular system is reliant on magnesium to be in balance and to be relaxed and calm. And so magnesium plays a role in calming the central nervous system, therefore helping to calm the mind and the body. So if you've got a fidgety 
type of a kind of personality like I do, or if your children do, magnesium is phenomenal for that. So what do you do with magnesium for ADD, ADHD type symptoms? There's a couple of ways you can go. You can use magnesium 3 and 8. I love magnesium 3 and 8 because a higher percentage of that crosses the blood-brain barrier. So that is an option that you can look into. And if you have questions about that, again, I, I detail that in uh in detail in an episode I did on the magnesium 3 and 8, which we'll, uh, we'll link at the bottom of, of this episode. And then magnesium glycinate is still my primary go-to. I love magnesium glycinate. For kids, we have a powder that I recommend by Natural Factors that I love. For adults, we have a capsule, or for kids that can swallow, a capsule in the Vital 5 brand called Vital 5 Magnesium Glycinate. Uh, you need to experiment with dosage, but somewhere in the neighborhood of about 100 to 200 milligrams for most kids, about two to 400 milligrams for most adults is a really good place to start. And I recommend uh, giving omega-3 at, I'd said probiotics, three to six months. Now, will you notice benefits sooner than that? Yes. But will you notice all the benefits you're going to get sooner than that? Probably not. Omega-3, about 30 days, you should start to see the benefits of omega-3. And magnesium is closer to like two weeks. doesn't take very long. So you can freely experiment with all three of those things. Just know that some take a little longer than others to kind of kick in and get there. Uh, the other things that are really, really interesting when it comes to supplements, I think the next one that we should talk about is something called GABA. Now, GABA is gamma aminobutyric acid, and it is found in the brain. It is a natural brain chemical, a neurotransmitter. That's what they call an inhibitory neurotransmitter. Inhibitory neurotransmitters calm overreaction, overexcitement in the brain. They tend to help us stay more focused, but what we have found in the research is that people who deal with ADD, ADHD-type symptoms tend to need more GABA or be more deficient in GABA than people who do not. There was a really unique study that was done on GABA, and it was done on something called Pharma GABA. And Pharma GABA uh, comes in a chewable or a capsule, but what they did is they gave it to sixth graders, and it was a chewable. They gave it to them in half an hour before they gave them a math test, and they did a placebo study, so half the students didn't get it. They got a chewable you know, sugar pill, essentially. The other half got GABA. And then what they did is they just tested two things, and it was really, really simple. They looked at how many questions were they able to answer in the allotted time, and what accuracy did they answer those with. And what's crazy is the GABA group of kids that got the 100 milligrams of Pharma GABA half an hour before that math quiz performed at between 15 and 20% better than the placebo group in those two uh, categories. How many questions were answered and how accurately were they answered? That is a huge difference, right? I mean, that's the difference between an A and an F in many cases when you're talking about a schoolroom setting. They then took the same group of kids, flip-flopped them, and gave the opposite group the placebo the next day, and they got almost identical results. And this is what is really, really, I think, cool about this. This was done on a non-diagnosed group of kids. This was like a standard classroom. So you had all types of kids in there. It wasn't done on kids that had only been diagnosed with ADD or kids that had not been diagnosed with ADD. You had a combination of kids in there, and across the board, improvement was seen dramatically with GABA. So GABA can be extremely effective, and the chewable is fantastic for kids because they can even take it to school with them. They can take it before they go to school, after they get home, to, before... Um, 
homework, you know, all that kind of stuff. Some people even find that it really helps them to sleep at night if you have that kind of racing brain syndrome. So you get some extra benefits there. Now, tied to GABA and my personal preference is something called L-theanine. I am a huge believer in L-theanine. And although I have played with GABA a lot, I get better results with theanine personally. Now, theanine, one of the natural benefits of theanine is that it increases GABA. So it kind of does that side of things as well, but it also helps to bring more alpha brain waves, which are the brain waves we experience when we are in a state of more true kind of meditative uh, type of a state. So very calming to the mind, calming to the central nervous system. And prior to most every recording I do, actually prior to sitting down to study for the recordings, because that's where I really need my brain power, I actually use a little bit of caffeine and theanine. I try to use about two to three times as much theanine as caffeine. So if I'm having 100 milligrams of caffeine, I'll do two or 300, maybe even sometimes 400 milligrams of theanine as a counterbalance. The caffeine is great because it is stimulating, which in brains that tend to be wired this way can help. That's why Ritalin and Adderall, which are essentially meth, are effective is because they do stimulate the brain. But caffeine, of course, much safer than those drugs. You can use it as needed as opposed to on a daily basis, which I try very, very hard not to do caffeine on a daily basis because it loses its punch. If you use it every single day, you tend to get more of an addicted uh, effect and no longer get the benefits of it. But caffeine plus theanine, they are yin and yang together, and they are amazing for people who really struggle with focus. And I have found that I can sit down and knock out uh, the research for a show or really about anything else that I'm doing if I really need to get that focus in much more efficiently when I have those two on board than when I do not. So how do you get your caffeine? Well, there's a bunch of different options. I certainly prefer the more natural options over the more synthetic options. And I'm going to tell you right now that if you have ADHD type symptoms, and remember, I keep saying if you have the symptoms, not if you have the quote unquote disorder, because I just don't buy that line. Uh, But if you deal with those types of symptoms, then the last thing you need is soda. The last thing you need is a, you know, a monster energy or a rock star or something like that uh, with the artificial sweeteners or the high level of sugar or corn syrup, all of those that can actually exacerbate uh, the issues of uh, focus and concentration, cognitive function, that kind of thing. So where do you want to get your caffeine from? Well, there's a few different ways uh, and, and places. Lately, what I've been doing actually is using a um, combination. There's a couple of different things actually that I've used that I've kind of played with a lot and I've had some pretty good response to it. In the past, I've used green tea. Uh, That's one really, really good source of it. And green tea actually naturally has some theanine in there as well. I've used yerba mate. Uh, Mate is really cool. Uh, Revered herb in uh, Brazil, Central South America, those kind of places. And mate is actually the only form of caffeine that's considered non-addictive. So mate is cool. It usually comes in tea, but you can get it in capsules as well. So that's an option as well. Uh, But you can also just use pure caffeine, Uh, caffeine anhydrous, which comes in capsule form. We actually sell that at Vitality, uh, and you can do it that way. What I've chosen to do mostly uh, of late, though, is I mix up a little bit of the... um, 
Insurgents pre-workout because I love the citrulline that's in there to give me uh, more blood flow, oxygenation of the muscle tissues, the brain, that kind of thing. I'll mix a little bit of that in there, which actually already has the theanine on board, and then I'll add a little more theanine to it. That's one way that I do it. I also like the True Lime energy packets. You can find those in just about any grocery store, True Lemon or True Lime. Um, and uh, they have about 120 milligrams of caffeine, and you can do that along with the theanine. But basically what you're wanting to do with your caffeine is get it from a clean source that doesn't have a bunch of other crap in it because most of the stuff that's packaged with caffeine is loaded with things that are going to actually exacerbate the symptoms of ADD, ADHD, then more than they're going to actually calm them down. Now, one other thing I'm going to throw at you as a potential supplement, and this is going to be very individual. Some people, it's a big deal and a true game changer. Others, not as much. But ashwagandha, you've heard me talk about it before probably. Uh, if you uh, learned about me from the Just Ingredients podcast that I did with Carlin, we talked about ashwagandha in some detail there. It is my favorite of all favorite herbs. I love ashwagandha, specifically the Sensoril brand of ashwagandha is fantastic. I love it so much that my new formula, Anxiety Release, that I put out about a month ago has the theanine that I just told you how much I love that and the ashwagandha, uh, plus another herb that's been shown to calm the mind called holy basil, lemon balm, which helps the body to not break down GABA so quickly. So even though it's an anxiety, a, a formula marketed towards anxiety, to a large degree, it's kind of an ADD, ADHD symptom formula as well. So that's something you could consider doing as sort of an all-in-one. And I have actually started just barely, I'll report as we go, uh, using that as my source of theanine uh, along with caffeine. And uh, it's too early to tell. I've only done it once so far, but I'm going to do that, uh, you know, for the next couple of weeks and see how that goes. And, and I'll certainly let you know. So that's an option as well. But ashwagandha, calms cortisol if you tend to be kind of a high-strung individual, which I'm really not. So the funny thing about ashwagandha is I like ashwagandha and I like how I feel on ashwagandha, but it, it doesn't do for me what it does for a lot of people. It's more subtle for me. For other people, it's a really big deal. And the reason I love it so much is because I've had such good success selling it to so many people over the years who absolutely rave about it, more so than what it's actually done for me. But for people who would consider themselves kind of high stress, more of an anxious person, especially if your children are anxious that way, ashwagandha can be really, really big along with, again, either the theanine or the GABA. But definitely the core things, I'll kind of rehash this one more time before I go into the things to avoid. The, the big things are fix the gut first. If there is a need for probiotics, fill that need. And I recommend the precision probiotic for that. Get the omega-3 levels up, okay? That is a big deal. If you want to eat wild-caught Alaskan salmon a couple of times a week, that's a great food source of omega-3. But if you want to supplement, a good quality fish oil is the way to go. Magnesium. It's critical. You need it anyway, along with the omega-3, along with the probiotics, and it is likely to improve these symptoms. It also is 
fantastic for kids that are fidgety at night, have a hard time relaxing to go to sleep. And then either theanine or GABA, not very often both, although I do have some people that absolutely swear by using them both together. Theanine, I don't think I mentioned, does come in a chewable, but it also comes in capsules. Uh, So if you want to give this to your child, theanine is an awesome option. And the theanine and the GABA chewables taste really good. So kids don't mind them at all. And then if you feel the need or feel the benefit of having caffeine, I'd rather do it without caffeine. But I do find myself um, that if I do a little bit of caffeine with the theanine, then that seems to be the one-two punch that really works for me. And the key to all of this is that, as I've said many, many times before, the ultimate wild card in health is the person taking the supplement or taking the pharmaceutical or having the surgery or whatever it is. In medicine, it is the person taking the medicine that matters most. So you really do need to experiment with this stuff, test it out, try it out, try combinations of things. It is safe to use theanine, GABA, ashwagandha, magnesium, omega-3. All of that stuff is safe and safe to use together. So you can do different types of experiments. And of course, if you have questions on any of those supplements, reach out to me in the Facebook group. Uh, Hit me up uh, on Instagram at Jared Saint or at Vitality Radio or give us a call at Vitality Nutrition 801-292-6662. And then uh, if you want to check out more details on any of these things, you can just go to vitalitynutrition.com. Okay, so with the five-ish minutes that I have left, let me just talk about the don'ts. I talked about all the do's. Here are the don'ts. The things that tend to trigger and make these symptoms worse. Refined sugar of all kind especially corn syrup seems to be a real problem, partly because in some people, the corn itself is a problem. So it's not a bad idea to just cut out corn for a couple of weeks. That includes corn starch, corn syrup, see if symptoms improve. In some people, it is a big change. Soda of pretty much all kinds, except for maybe something like a Zevia um, that doesn't have the sugar, doesn't have the artificial sweeteners, that kind of thing. But soda, as a general rule, is a no-go. Artificial colors. Red 40 in particular is a killer for ADD, ADHD type symptoms. There's excellent research to back that up. But also the uh, red, I believe it, now I'm going to probably tell you wrong. Red five, red. There's another red color. I can't think of the number. I apologize. I didn't have that written down in my notes. But also yellow number five is a problem. Um, both of the yellows and both of the reds are problematic. The reds in particular for most kids are really, really triggers and can be for adults as well. And the only way to know if those are bog- bugging you or not is to cut them out, add them back in, See what happens. Now, I will say the artificial colors are never good for you. So just cutting them out is the best way to go, especially from your kid's diet. But um, if you're going to really try and experiment and figure out what what works, what doesn't work, what causes issues, what doesn't cause issues, then off again, on again, and really monitoring your symptoms is a big, big deal. Preservatives, certain ones in particular, BHA and BHT are significant problems um, for a lot of people with ADD, ADHD symptoms. And you'll find those mostly in packaged food that have fats in them, cereals, crackers, chips, things like that. And it's, they're easy to find and they're not 
necessarily hard to avoid, but uh, there are more packaged foods with them than without them. So keep your eyes open for those. Artificial sweeteners can cause a lot of problems, and in particular because they can be pretty harmful to the gut biome itself. Avoiding glyphosate is a big deal. That's Roundup, but also glyphosate, which is the primary component of Roundup that is sprayed on most crops that aren't raised organically. So organic food in this case, especially if you really struggle with these symptoms, can make a major difference. And again, it's all experimenting and letting your brain be the judge of what's working and what's not working. Also, mercury is problematic for a lot of people with um, not just ADD, ADHD symptoms, but even autism. Uh, we, we know there's a pretty striking link, it seems to be, mercury, mercury levels with autism. And therefore, most seafood, probably not a good idea. Now, I mentioned before wild-caught Alaskan salmon, which is uh, known to not really be a source of mercury and a fantastic source of omega-3. Awesome. Absolutely great. Go for it. But most seafood, other than that, probably not a great idea. And then be cautious. Mercury is found in other places as well. In certain vaccines, mercury is one of the uh, preservatives that is used. Read the package inserts before giving any medicine to you or your kids uh, and make sure you know what is being put into your body or their bodies. Okay, so those are the don'ts. I gave you the do's and I gave you what I believe might be the most important information of this show. Don't accept the label and don't let it prevent you from achieving what you want most to achieve. I consider myself a pretty high achieving individual and I've done it in spite of the fact that my brain sees squirrels all over the place. And I believe that you can do a really great job at minimizing a lot of those symptoms by avoiding, avoiding the things we talked about, maximizing the benefits of being a intelligent person. People with ADD, ADHD have a high level of intelligence. It is believed they have a higher IQ on average than people without. They have a very active and a very curious mind. And that is very beneficial. That's, that's benefited me a lot in this life. I believe it's benefited me more than the symptoms of ADHD have uh, been a problem for me. So if we recognize that, yes, this is how our brain works, we nourish the brain, we get the gut right, then we can at least give our brain a fighting chance to do what it needs to do. I believe I function well enough, even though I still experience symptoms of ADD. And a big part of the reason that I'm able to function that well is because I refuse to let it stop me. And I do my best to take care of my brain, calm it down when it needs to be calmed down, and so on. Okay, if you have questions about anything you've heard on Vitality Radio, please call us, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or go to the website, vitalitynutrition.com. Or if you want to join the Facebook group, it's the Vitality Radio Podcast Facebook Listener community. I know it's pretty long. Uh, if you can't find it on Facebook, hit me up on Facebook um, or on Instagram at Jared Saint or at Vitality Radio. I'd be more than happy to direct you over there. It's free and it is an awesome little community that is growing every single day. Uh, if 
And I think that's all I have for you today. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off by saying thank you so much for listening to me. I love doing this show. Thank you to our wonderful Facebook group uh, listeners and contributors for giving me the idea for this topic. If you'd like to hear specific things talked about on Vitality Radio, that is a great place to give me your feedback. Thank you so much for listening to me. I am Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.